uh, like the other day for NACE, I actually referred to those as byproducts. And and so in everything that I did, I said, you know, you, you I mean, realistically, you've got natural minerals and byproducts, and and you tend to find more funky materials, you know, some of the heavy metal stuff in byproducts because right. I mean, I mean, anytime you anytime you take and burn something. You know, all uh, the ingredients get concentrated on the edge and burn. That's the crust, just like the crust on the right. bread. Well, that's what slag is, right? right. And so right. you, it's a you throwaway product, right? Right. It's the throw. It's the throwaway, concentrated and heat changed portion versus being the original. You know, I mean, it, it, it would have been a lump of coal, but then you burned it, and that's the ed, That that's what was left oh, after see. you burned it. You know, that's that's a great way to put it. So. You know, I'm not afraid to be controversial in what we're about to talk about. Um, I think it needs to get out. Um, we'll go as far as you want to go. Um, gotcha. I let it rip. I, I, I'm the owner of the podcast. If I want to say a swear word or I want to be controversial, I'm not afraid to be that. It's my show. And if they don't like it or if there's backlash, um, and I'm enlightening people at the same time, like I felt when I heard you talk the first time, then I'm okay. And that's why I kind of pushed, you know, because that's kind of the time that we're in right now is, you know, like, you know, in terms of like unveiling things, right? Lots of stuff is getting unveiled in our government, right. about our government, about the economics, about a lot of stuff. So. When I, you know, when I kind of grasp onto that, I realized, wow, this is the perfect time to have you on the show. All just going through the whole bit. And I mean, there wasn't any, again, there wasn't any bashing, but I called out the facts. And then what I also called out was some of the, the weird, the questions being asked right now, like you and I had talked about, like, you know, the, that little, that, that coalition of supposedly abrasive suppliers that are calling out saying, oh, this isn't fair, oh, this isn't, well, the ones that are calling it out are the ones that have been violating the limit for years, you know? They were violating before they lowered the bill, right? So they have a reason to scream. So, and I just called it out what it was, and then you saw the, you saw my heavy metals reporting at the end. I went ahead and opened it up to them. I just showed all the guys and I said, guys, this is an internal document. I said, I wouldn't actually give this out for marketing or anything, but I just want to show y'all something. And I started through each one of those metals. And as I got through, I said, do y'all notice a pattern? Do you notice, I mean, I've got seven, I've got the CAM 17, the, the you know, the California heavy, uh, heavy metals. I said, do you notice a pattern? What's always in the top five or six? I said, you see repeat offenders in the whole and throughout the entire thing. So yeah. if you're gonna sit, we may we may be below the limit on every single one of those things, but if you're gonna do a risk assessment, what do you think? What you can't see won't hurt you, right? Wrong. What lurks in your shop could harm your employees, your family, and even your favorite pet. 
Today, we're talking about beryllium and other byproducts that have the potential to harm. Prepare to duck. We're bringing you incoming info that will leave you exposed, but better educated about your shop environment. Pete Mitchell from GMA uncovers some of what he's found in his 28-year career in this industry as we dissect OSHA's new ruling. We will also be touching on some basic environmental tips to protect you in the shop. Get ready to level up your powder coater game. And uh, I've got Pete Mitchell here, who is the vice president. Wait a minute. Let me get this right. Vice president of new market development and technical management over at GMA Garnet Group out of Texas. And you've heard his experience. He's got 28 years, uh, 20 years just at GMA. And um, I'm so happy to have him on the show. Him and I have been talking for about a month now about all this blasting business um, and what's kind of going on behind the scenes uh, for blasting media's changes to new rulings via OSHA and beryllium. Uh, it's called the new beryllium rule. And of course, we may dive into uh, some, some some third party results that we got out of 10X. We'll see how it goes, but um, welcome to the show, Pete. Thank Thanks. you for inviting me. <laughs> I'm already kind of sweaty because we were kind of in a heated conversation up until I introduced you. And I don't normally do a podcast like this, um, but you just are such a dynamo and your energy is so hot that I just kind of went, I think we're just going to kind of go right into segueing into what we were just discussing now. And I did attend a recent webinar um, with uh, 10X and I've also attended a, a, a fabulous webinar um, that you actually did before that, um, sort of just talking um, about uh, it's just sort of an intro introduction to Garnet and why it's a superior product. I will unabashedly be um, admitted that I am a Garnet preferer. Um, people have called me out um, on Facebook about that. Of course, I hooked up with Ted, uh, Ted uh, Jeff Taylor over at Blast One and you know, sort of unraveling uh, the mystery, if you want to call it that, behind blasting and how to maximize your blasting capabilities. And no, do I get into the blast room? No, I do not. Um, but I do talk a lot to my husband who is, and, you know, let's get to the point. The point is you want to spend the least amount of time in your blasting booth. So, that is the question of the day and how are we solving that? There are lots of different ways to solve it. Um, using media, using your equipment. Um, and of course, we talked about uh, the rest levels with Jeff Taylor 
on another episode and stuff like that. So this is all kind of leading up. And as it happened, um, been talking to Jeff for so long that it, I eventually got to Garnet and got to meet Pete. And that's why he's on the show today. So, um, so let's first start off with this new beryllium rule. And I'm going to share my screen here. Maybe I am sharing my screen already, am I? Um, I don't think so. No, okay. Um, <clears throat> let me uh, share my screen. And what I want to show you guys is how to go ahead and get this, uh, what, we're, what we're first going to be talking about, which is um, understanding this new OSHA compliance rule. But really, I mean, it's about new, uh, the beryllium rule uh, is about making everything safer for you in the long run. So please go over to this. It, the, the link will be in the download on the podcast. So just go over to rosscoat.com and um, it, you'll be able to download the white paper with the link. Uh, so it'll be in the description of the podcast. Uh, so that's how I got it. And um, Anyway, so let me stop sharing that and we'll get back to, this is what it looks like. <clears throat> and it's just a white paper that Pete uh, autographed and wrote about uh, what this new beryllium rule means. So thanks for making this. This is actually pretty helpful. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so according to OSHA, uh, 11,000 Americans are exposed to beryllium during abrasive blasting operations. So what is beryllium and why is it so bad? I mean, beryllium is actually a, it's, it's a toxin. You, the beryllium ruling and the silica ruling came out side by side and, you know, went a year apart and everybody went down the the same route like like they were two sisters running side by side there i mean i mean silica 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 is a small respirable material that can get in and latch itself into your lungs and cause problems beryllium's toxic beryllium actually your your test you're looking for total dust levels and it's like arsenic or or lead yeah. or chromium or any of those other ones. So I mean, it is one of the heavy metals that they. I mean, they use it in everything from computer chips to you know, there's all different types of materials that they put beryllium into. And it's mine. I mean, it's naturally it's mined in the U.S. You can pull up beryllium mines in the U.S. and you'll see the whole track. It starts kind of up around the like Indiana, uh, Indiana, uh, Illinois area, and it tracks all the way up to the Philadelphia. So, but it is, but as a heavy metal, it is, it is a, it is a toxic substance. If it gets into your system, if you, if you even get it into a cut, I mean, if it gets into your bloodstream, it can cause a problem. Wow. That's um, alarming. And I guess one of the things that, um, you know, uh, I mean, they're saying six, you said six, or I'm not sure where you were quoting this, but it, I was question, I was, I have a question here per year. 62,000 workers are estimated to be exposed to beryllium. Is that annually or just total or, I mean, cause it says here I mean, on that thing, right it's, here. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, to be honest, the, the problem is, is beryllium, the, the beryllium poisoning 
when when you're poisoned, it it attacks it attacks different things. I mean, I, there's everything from people that that are probably diagnosed with all different types of other disease. And I would be one one of the things that you hear from some of the some of the other um, people in the industry that are that are having problems with beryllium. It's like, oh well, you don't. There's no documented case of beryllium poison ever in blasting. Well, nobody thought about it. I mean, nobody, I mean, you go into the doctor and you got this, the doctor's like, well, you have a nervous disorder or you have Alzheimer's or you right. have, you know, you have some sort of blood poisoning. Well, you're going to die. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to die. What do I do? And, and how many of them have stopped and said, oh yeah, I've heard about beryllium. You must've been a blaster. It, it's just really, it's, it's just come out even, even though. Yeah. yeah, OSHA, someone from OSHA made a comment about or made a made a, a statement about this over 20 years ago and brought up this fact and said, hey, guys, we, we really ought to take this serious. And it just kind of went dead in the water. And it's it's been floating out there for years. It just kind of came back ahead. Right. Um, and that's what they're calling chronic beryllium disease is common, um, but serious enough that it, it can can occur in individuals that have been exposed, uh, including chest pain, coughing, night sweats. That was a big one for me. Um, uh, fatigue and weight loss that, you know, this is, um, you know, with a husband that's already been overexposed to, cause we had a painting business before, um, was overexposed with polyurethane for years of painting and stuff like that. And then, um, now faced with uh, being exposed to beryllium, um, uh, I have seen those. I have seen those um, symptoms in him at night, uh, and it scared me. And here's a message from today's sponsor. Ross Coat here from Maui Powder Works. You know we've been providing customers with high-end custom coatings for over 20 years. We love the powder coating business, making auto parts, patio furniture, and stuff beautiful for our customers is the fun part. As you know, the hardest part of any job is getting parts prepped for finishing. At times, this means removing tough industrial OEM coatings, which can take hours, if not days, of chemical stripping and sandblasting. Our business was revolutionized when we discovered the great strippers from Benco Sales. Their customer service folks asked the right questions and recommended a stripper tailored for our needs. Give them a call today at 1-800-632-3626. Get 10% off any B17 products when you mention Roscoat. It scared him too, and this was in the early days of us getting going with the, you know, with the uh, 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 powder coating company and stuff like that. And um, it, I have seen all of those, and I, I think that if you're listening to this podcast right now, you should be monitoring your wife, your girlfriend should be monitoring these same symptoms. So let's go over them again: chest pain, coughing. Night sweats, that was a big one for me, but and fatigue, and of course, weight loss. Um, so you can also just get sensitive sensitization is what they're calling it too, um, which is just a progressing of the disease. Um, and you cannot, 
and I, I, I have an autoimmune disease that I believe was caused by taking in taking too much um, uh, supplements that my doctor was referring, preferring me to take at the time, which was iron su uh, supplements, based on a report um, that doctors received in the 90s about women that were suffering from a low iron count while they were uh, pregnant. And, but what they didn't realize later on was that the report was based on women in Africa who are basically like too, they don't eat enough right foods in the first place, but you're, you know, versus a first world woman in America who eats just fine. So, you know, um, I ended up with hypothyroidism because of that. And so I'm very sensitive just by nature because of what's happened to me um, and being overexposed uh, based on some referral or recommendation from my doctor and what it caused me. Um, so I'm, you know, it, this really rings home to me and, and I've certainly seen a lot of those symptoms from Ross. So, well, uh, it's, not, it's not just, it's not just him. You got to think about something too, is because when he goes in, let's say he goes and paints and he's exposed to it in the paint room, but realistically the paint dries, right? Mm -hmm. You, you go home and you, you wash his clothes or you get into the truck that he was in, or you get into something like that you're not getting, you're not exposed to that, to that same level of coating he did. If you blasted with something and you've created this fine dust and then you've walked out the door and it's still on your clothes or you've opened up the blast room and, and you, you see some of these things when you blast with them, how far the dust actually floats. Right. Well, you, you may have it. I mean, you go out, some of these, I'll go out to a job site and they're blasting with the I, I was on one the other day and, and with coal slag and I went back to get into the truck and my entire dash and my seats were all glittered and, and that it just floats a long way. And you go home and you pick up his laundry. I mean, you haven't even been near a blast pot and you go home and grab his laundry and you shake his shirt and a cloud of dust comes up in front of you. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm Mr. Gloom and doom, but no. it's possible. Yeah. I, 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 yes, if you're washing your husband's clothes, you know, and he's been in a blast room. I mean, it's, it's all over the washer dryer in the nooks and crannies. It's in his socks, you know, I, mean, I make the, I make the comment on one of my, one of my presentations and it, and to be honest, it was a little bit of a joke in the beginning when I did it, but the more I did it, it I, I'm serious you see these big petrochemical plants and you see these big blast yards and a lot of them are now, they're near, I mean, the world is shrinking. So that we're getting closer and closer to housing and you'll see these plants right next to a neighborhood. And I, and in my presentation, when I'm talking about how far dust can travel, I say, I mean, I mean, you see the mom that walks out on the driveway and says, Hmm, what's this dust on little Johnny's tricycle? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's not. It's. It, I don't think it's out of reach because you you see it blast and you and with just a light wind, that stuff can go a long way. You yeah, and I think I think that the most. I mean, I think most powder coaters are thinking it's just the powder, you too, you know. But it's not. It 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 could be a combination of both the powder, 
getting, you know, your powder cloud getting too out of hand. But a lot of these guys have small shops. Um, it takes a lot to scale your business. Not everybody gets to work in a 10,000 square foot facility. Um, a lot of guys are just in cramped quarters and they have to make the most of their blasting setup, their powder coating setup, their everything, you know, um, right. and to maximize the space, but also fit it all in there. And, you know, you're thinking it's powder, but it could be something, it, it could be some of the remnants of, of blasting as well. Um, yeah. Well, you roll, you, you blast it outside and think you're okay. You roll it into the powder coat booth and first thing you do is take the air hose and blow everything off the surface so that it's nice and clean. Well, you've just made it airborne again. Yeah. And you don't have your and you don't have your hood on yet because you're not getting ready to paint. You're just using an air hose. That can't be harmful. Yeah. Yeah. I I know. But okay, so later on in the report, um this one you talk about benefits and challenges. And it's in one sentence, I think you've accomplished both. I mean, right now there is, you know, there quantifying that about two and a half million is uh, annualized in, um, they could be saving money if they, you know, take this ruling serious and put all the OSHA compliance in, in place to minimize beryllium exposure. Uh, and they're thinking it's gonna be estimated um, the upfront cost to implement it is estimated at $1,000 per employee. That's shocking to me because you also said there were 62,000. So that's 62,000 people in and around beryllium or it being, you know, abrasive blasting things. Uh, and that's 62 million a year. That's crazy. But then they're saving two and a half million on costs and, and healthcare. So there is some, kind of disjointedness with those figures. And you can see why a large company wouldn't want to spend the money to improve uh, based on this ruling. So they're being forced by OSHA to do so, right? Right. Yeah, because I mean, it, and it is, it's saving lives. It's it's absolutely saving lives. It's like I said, this the beryllium one's been around a long time. The silica ruling had been around for a long time. They, I mean, they, these levels have been set. There, there was a beryllium rule. There, there already was a beryllium rule set and a level set. And what happened in the change in the rule was that they lowered the Pell. They lowered it down, but, but that's not what scared everybody. What made everybody jump up and down and yell and scream and call foul. And they said, oh, because you're lowering it. It wasn't that. The, the, most of the, the people that screamed the loudest about them lowering the Pell, we're already exceeding the high level. The problem is that they're policing it now. And that's the same thing with the silica, is that before there was a rule and, oh, are you over? That's a shame. Now they're policing it. And, and OSHA's even made statements, like in the silica ruling, they made a statement that they were not gonna fund the policing of it. Well, what does that mean? That, that means that they're gonna support it financially with fines. Mm -hmm. So, so it is all about taking care. It is all about the health and well-being of the people. But what's what's finally got people to sit up and notice now is that we're finally getting hit in the wallet. Mm -hmm. Is that OSHA has said, "Look, we're serious about this, and if you don't take it serious, we're going to fine you." So right. So it makes sense that 
they would want to move on this and make it better and safer. And it's sad that you would have to ask a company to take care of its employees. Uh, but, you know, um, and it, do you think that there's like enough innovation coming through on equipment and, uh, you know, obviously you can't skirt around the media. The media is the media, but like, is there enough equipment out there and aside from, you know, what you're wearing, what you're using, is there enough innovation happening in that arena to, to, to kind of take it to, to the level that they can police it now? There, there's a lot of new innovations in equipment and PPE that you can use. Um, not to totally, not, I mean, the easiest way to do this is, is elimination, right? I mean, I mean, and that that's why you see so many more of the more environmentally friendly or health friendly abrasives and things are, are speaking out on this thing. You can go to something that you use less material or something that has lower levels. It's all about risk assessment. Um, but common sense, like, you know, a lot of the rules that you're seeing in the silicon thing are the same as the beryllium. It's like it's like if the guy's in a blast room. You, you don't walk out the door, pull your hood off and blow your suit down with an air hose, right? And, and then sit there and say, oh, but my worker was protected because while he was blasting, he had a hood on. You don't, you don't go up and have the guy blasting and the two guys that are 20 feet behind him tending the pot with bandanas on their face because you walk over to them to see how they're doing and they smile and they pull their bandana down and they have a black yeah. layer around their face and up their nose. And they said, oh, we're doing good today. And, and you know, but they're not blasting. And so they're safe, right? And so, so little things like that. I mean, and some of these to where they've said no more blowing things off with air hose. You either need to, you need to wash it down or you need to vacuum it. Uh, a lot of the silica, the, the concrete plants and things like now, they're, they're going totally away from using brooms and, and air hoses and everything has to be rinsed down or vacuumed, just not to create dust. You know, they don't have a choice because, I mean, they're dealing with concrete, right? right. I mean, you, could, you can get away, from, get away from silica and abrasives, but you're blasting concrete, silica. But when you're blasting steel, there is, the, the, there is a little bit, I mean, brilliance in almost everything. I mean, every abrasive that I've tested on the market has beryllium in it. Now, the level it has are night and day. I mean, some of them, the risk is very close. Some of them, the risk is two miles away. They all have something, but even steel, you know, you'll hear people say, even if you blast the steel, it comes off of that. If you, if you, if you containment, if you blow yourself down or vacuum yourself off properly, you don't go home in the clothes that you were, that you were blasting in during the day. You do a lot of the common sense things. Those are the cheap ways to, to get it done, mm -hmm. you know, but companies are going to have to, you, you've also got other employees. They, they did a test at a, a facility. I was in a safety meeting at a conference and they were telling me that they went and they put the, they put the clips on the, uh, on all the people's lapels and they monitored them for a week. And the second highest recording in the plant was the guard at the guard shack because they were rolling, they had trucks bringing equipment in and they were blasting it. And then they were driving back out the gate and down the road and the entire yard was full of the spent material. 
and they all had their hoods on where they were blasting. But when they were driving down the road, the cloud and the poor guy standing at the security gate. That was wow. the second highest reading. Who, who would have thought of the, the security guard or the secretary? You know? <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's nuts. And yeah, I mean, that reminds me, Ross does you know, he, he does rinse his last suit after he's done. Um, but I'm thinking now maybe I should be out there hosing him down before he even takes his helmet off. Uh, never thought about that because that's the first thing he wants off is, you know, he takes that off. I'm sure a million other men do the same thing. Um, but you know, how can you, and you, you've got it all over. It's on your shoulders. It's in the nooks and crannies of the suit on the outside. If you're gonna blow the if you're gonna blow the top of the hood off, you do it while you're still in the room with the hood on. Right. You okay. leave your hood on because you have good dry air and you have it around you, and you just sit there and you blow the top of your hood and your shoulders off. Then you go outside the thing and take it off, and then but don't just shake it and do it. It's those are just little those are little common sense things from that side yeah. that they can help with. But yeah. I mean I mean by by far by far the. Uh, the big one will be going to going to other abrasives or going to better. Like Jeff has probably preached with you about the metering of equipment. I mean, part part of the problem with blasting is that if you if you use the the lower end or the old school type equipment, the valves just basically are almost open or close. And if you don't have the control to be able to meter some of these things down, you're just running, you may be running three times the amount of abrasive that you should at something and you're just creating more dust. So you're, 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 you're just mounting the problem. Right. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we do need to, uh, you know, it, we do need to improve. We, we've realized now after all these podcasts that we, we are under, utilized um, in our capabilities and we need to make some serious changes, which we will be in the next couple months. Hopefully we're negotiating, renegotiating our lease and, and hopefully moving into another bigger space. Um, and I, and I still think that it in, inequivocally comes down to, to space um, and space planning too, uh, to make sure that you're big enough. Um, you're always needing more equipment it's just the nature of powder coating. And I think one of the things that we came to the conclusion is, is that when you're getting into powder coating, you know, you're so hyper-focused on your ovens and your, uh, you know, I, that might be different than shipyard builders and some of the other people that are exposed uh, to beryllium and stuff like that. But it's, you know, your equipment um, setup is, it's all focused on the oven and the spray booth and, and your powder inventory and stuff like that, not around this topic. And if you're right. in restoration, it's got to be, it, 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 that's the conclusion we came to is like, this has got to be the most important money that you spend is, is on the blasting equipment and making sure that you are set up enough for the capabilities that you need and, and, and to really assess who your customer is, what are their needs? Are you, your, if your needs are gates and railings, then it needs to be a little different. If your needs are, um, you know, automotive uh, and restoration there, it needs to be different. Or if you're a crossover like we are, it, it really needs to be different and much, much more so. Every, every technical, every technical class that you'll take through the various organizations, you know, like, like 
AMP, you know, NACE and SSBC and all those ones where they're teaching these classes. Every single class you take, somewhere in that slide deck, there's a slide that says that that all that that 80 to 85 percent of all codings failures are due to poor service prep. Yeah, they slide that one slide into every single class that you'll take. Yeah, and it's true, 100 percent true. Um, And you're so high, you know, you are focused on that end result and that longevity and the durability that powder coatings give you um, that you need to make sure that you've got that down um, pat. Uh, At the same time, if you're new to coding, you're struggling with just the metallurgy and the application in, in and of itself, right? You're struggling with your gun. You're struggling with the you know, the, uh, some of the pitfalls and, um, you know, surface, uh, problems at the after fact, after the fact, right. When it really kind of comes down to, to the prep in the first place, nine times out of 10, at least from what I see and what people are posting and stuff in the groups and stuff. Um, here's a message from today's sponsor. Do you know chemical strippers from Banco sales reduced our prep time? by up to 80%. We chose Benko B17 and have been using it now for five years. We were surprised at how effortless it removed finishes from literally anything we put into it. Removal takes minutes, not hours. Several suppliers over the years have told us they have something as good as B17, but don't believe it. There's a reason the name B17 is universally applied for those claiming to have fast strippers. Buy it by name and available only by Benko Sales. B17 is the industry benchmark by which every other stripper is compared. Accept no substitute. Get started today by going to BenkoSales.com. B-E-N-C-O Sales.com. Say Roscoat sent you for 10% off B17. I think we've kind of, I, I think we've kind of, it, it's a it's a good report. I found it very easy to read. Um, and I think just as a reminder, and also too, you do have references. So this isn't just out of Pete's head or, it, you know, like it's all referenced and stuff like that. So um I think it's a great uh, download. It's great that you guys offer these downloads because I, I do, this is the second one that I've actually used on a podcast. Um, and I, I appreciate you guys out there doing that um, kind of information beyond just your product spec kind of stuff. It's you're there for the industry and you're producing um, stuff for the just general information stuff about the industry too so right there there's so little there's i mean to be honest there's there's most of most of the information that's out there about the, about this and the ruling and everything is, are the abrasive companies either calling foul or or everyone acting like the house is burning down i mean i mean they make they make a statement. Oh, oh all all abrasives have beryllium, so everybody needs to be scared to death of everything. As a, as a general statement, they're a hundred percent right that all abrasives have beryllium. Every single one of them. If you say no on the bag, you're you're lying through your teeth. I've tested every single abrasive, and they have it. There's a record. There's a method testing limit that's on there 
And if you don't test for a low enough limit, if you pay for a cheap test and have a high testing limit, you may not see anything. That just means you paid for the cheap test. But the, the thing that there that everybody's leaving out is that everyone says we all have trace amounts, right? They use the word trace. A trace amount technically is any measurable amount below 0.1%. Well, if I have one product with 0.09 and I have a second product with 0.00000009, technically we both have a trace amount, right? And if you look at it in that mindset, and if you want to play that marketing game, then you're right. We both have trace amounts. But if you're if you're an owner or you're someone doing it and you want to put a true risk assessment, and I'm worried about the possibility of it breaking and me breathing it or getting into a cut on my arm or doing something, I'm a lot more worried about the one that's 0.09 or, or that's further up the list than just, oh, by the way, we're below that one level, so we get a get out of jail free card. And that's what everyone is missing in this entire thing because they're all looking for a legal loophole right to say oh by the way we're okay those guys are just talking bad about us it's not it's, it's a general risk assessment that people just need to be aware of yeah and i i think that some of the things that concern me about um you know product new products on the market or at least new ones to me um that we've tried um, uh, out and have found it to be in terms of production. I even sent, uh, had, uh, gotten contact with a friend who is in the shipbuilding industry here in Hawaii, um, and does 10 times, a thousand times more blasting than we do. Um, you know, uh, has been, uh, given same, uh, 10X product and found it basically at the same level of, you know, without having to do all of these different um, adjustments and metering and all this stuff that they want you to go through um, with the, I guess it's 150 PSI and maximizing your equipment and doing, you know, standing up upside down on your head and doing a handstand and, you know, like, it just seemed like it never ended. Well, you have to do this. Well, you have to do that. And then, you know, and it just didn't seem like it should just, you you just turn it on and it works. <laughs> you don't have right. to adjust your nozzle or any of the other equipment that you have to do to do it. And that was the conclusion that I think, um, you know, in his last te text to me, we found it equal or not, you know, just either equal or not as good as your right. product. And that's just an experience. So I'm just going to kind of put that out there as, you know, like this is our experience because I have seen that there are other companies that are now selling it to other powder coders and other powder coders that are promoting it and stuff like that. And I, every time I see them posting or saying something about the product, I just go, oh, you know, like, do they know what I know, you know? Um, there's, there's two, there's two key things. And I, and I did it in my, in my other webinar when I was talking about performance, right. And, but this also does for environmental, for, for production, for consumption, for everything, your hardness and your friability are huge. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, all, and all, and then also your bulk density, how heavy it is. 
And right off the bat, looking at, at materials like that, if one product has half the weight of another one, well, when you throw them both at the wall, which one's going to cause more damage? So the heavier products always tend, one, they flow a little bit you know, through there, two, the more they hit the wall harder and cause more, hence you don't use near as much. A lot of times if they're like a half to even a third of the weight, you only use maybe a third of the other product and you get the same work out of it. The other side of it is friability. When you see one that's dusty and one that's not dusty, that one is shattering. Not only is it being an environmental problem, being a safety item, all those other things, if it's shattering instead of digging into the wall, it's not doing any work. Right. So, so when, when you call out, when they call out something and they say, oh, well, you need to go higher PSI or higher PSI. Well, if it's already that brittle, higher PSI is just going to make it break faster. You know, and yeah. part of the thing about Garnet, and I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a Garnet cheerleader. I've loved it all my life. I've, I've been in the business for on it. Garnet is so heavy and so hard. Our biggest problem that we have is people using too much because they're so used to all these other products that are half the weight and, and are so much more friable and all that. And they say, oh, well, you have to baby Garnet. Y'all are always having to tell me to make all these twists and put a special knob. It's not. The problem is, is it's so heavy and so hard. It's a, it's more of a high performance product. And if you just throw it in the pot and open the valve and use it like the other one, like you, that what you were using, it's going to flood and you're going to use two or three times. So we have to tell people, turn it down. Don't use so much. Dial it in. And all of it, you won't even see it coming out of the nozzle. And you think, well, wow, Pete, I can't use anything if it's not coming out of the nozzle. But then you'll realize you're ripping, you're ripping the coating off. And that's right. People say, oh, all the stars have to be aligned. No, you don't. You just have to you just have to dial in properly. Right. And I think that one of the things that they do talk about is uh, one of the claims um, is that uh, it's this residual material that's left on the white metal surface or, the, you know, that. I think that that's one of the things that he said in the in the webinar. Um, I will attempt, Mine? first of all, I'm going to attempt to put your webinar on there and their webinar on there. If I can, um, I'll probably get in trouble and they'll probably want me to take it down. So if you hear this recording, go up there fast. Um, are you talking about, are you talking about the 10 X webinar? Yeah. And they were you saying mean, like what's left surface? and it's, there's hardly anything left on the surface that there, what did he say? He said that it's there sparkled. Were, yeah, that there weren't. It's like, so like, clean. The surface is so clean that it sparkled. Now, how many how many people that have worked with good with good steel and you blast it to a true clean, nice white metal? How often does it sparkle? It's. I mean, it's not. It does when you polish it, or well, when you leave something on the surface that causes it to sparkle. Why is it sparkling? You know, and it, it's like. I think that where I'm getting it with it, it, you know, not to get uncomfortable with the next point is when you told me really what it is and what it's byproduct, that it's a byproduct of another, um, it's a byproduct of another process, um, right. which is nothing wrong with that. Byproducts are used in all kinds of, you know, we put byproducts in our hot dogs and, you know, lunch meat, right? I mean, byproducts are useful. So this is not about taking what they're doing and making it evil, okay? Uh, but 
um, it is a byproduct of what? That particular one is uh, is like is of originally of a tempered glass type substance. It's from a it's from a glass wool. It's what I've heard. I, I've heard that it yeah. comes from a factory where it's a, it's the glass wool like you use around ovens. Now, of course, tempered glass is a lot stronger than regular glass. Right. Maybe ten times. You know, I, I don't know. Right. right. Uh, but but I mean, it's still glass. It's yeah, exactly. And if it's obvious. It's obvious when you look under the microscope. I've looked at all abrasive. It's it's curious. You look at abrasives under the microscope, and you and you start and you start looking at the crystals and examining them, and you learn a lot because I mean that's a that's a that's what I didn't understand was you it was if you increase the pressure and it's going to cut the coatings better. Well, it's round. Well, I mean, it's a given in our industry that that round doesn't cut coatings. I mean, starlight starlight is nothing against it. It's a great material on on mill scale, but you don't use it on coatings because it's round. You know, you don't use steel shot when you're just trying to take off marine coatings because it's going to bounce off like BBs. So. Right. Yeah, and I um, I think that that in your mind when you're listening to the webinar. Um, and you know you're you're in your mind you're thinking okay they're they're making this i don't know if they are but you're assuming that they they have got this factory and they're making stuff and they're making this product and maybe they are maybe they aren't but then when you think about how they're just taking one byproduct one leftover and then repackaging it is that really what they're doing in their factory? I don't know, but I mean, it it kind of like when you're buying it from one source or maybe you, you know, I, you know, and then all you're doing it is per purchasing something and then repackaging it. I don't know. I, I clean it. You, they, they, you, a lot of those that do that, it comes from factories like that and like, like slags. I mean, slags, slags are byproducts as well but they'll have a spent material pile. It came out of whatever plant it came from, a nickel plant, copper plant, a coal plant, steel plant. It's the burnt, it's the crust off the walls that they tip right. off and it's in a pile. Well, they, they put it in a pile, they semi-crush it down, but real, realistically, all you do is sieve it to size. You run it through a set. Right. So if you're gonna get it, I mean, and they're probably in the same boat. They probably have a, it's, it's a tailing. It's 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 part of whatever the process was that they didn't want and got tossed into a pile. Right. And somebody went through the pile, ran it through a set of sieves and said, okay, here's the course, here's the medium, here's the fine, put that in the bags, we're good to go. Mm -hmm. And that, But that's what, that's what all, I mean, we do the same thing with garnet. We just scoop it off the ground, separate all the minerals, get everything else and we sieve it to size. So we do the same thing. We just get it from nature. Right. Yeah. And that that's getting back to your different versions is that's how you get the more ab ab abrasive uh, garnet, right, is you do these blends and stuff for specific industries or specific needs of the blaster and stuff. And we went through that on the last one of the last podcasts with Jeff right. Taylor. Um, and so when you think about that, then, you know, you realizing, well, what are they what are they doing and what is this product? and why are they selling it this way? You know, why are they um, presenting it in this way as if some new miracle had just arrived in the sandblasting world um, and stuff like that? Uh, I think that, you know, I'm not saying it's a terrible product. Don't use it. That's not what we're saying. We're just kind of trying to compare some apples and oranges and realizing that not all is 
um, as it as it perceives itself to be, or maybe as they're presenting it, that there should be some more disclosure of, from them, maybe um, about that. Uh, you know, just to be honest, and you know, I'm not saying be naked and share everything, but like, you know, they should not have to spin such a such a, a tale about what it is or what it's not or what it could be. You know, like and just be as it is, you know, like, why do they have to do all this crazy axolloy, blah, 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 whatever kind of, it doesn't have to be so wild and crazy, but. Companies have, companies have sales departments, they have marketing departments and they have technical departments. And I've, I've, I've run all three of them here and still are very in ingrained with both the marketing and the sales. I enjoy the technical side because I like, I'm a why guy. I'm not a, I, I want to know why something does it. And I want to know that if I say something, I can back it a hundred times. I don't, I, I don't want anybody to ever think that I'm just throwing something out there for the sake of throwing it out. And so I triple check things just to make, I'll, I'll get a perfectly good result and know that it's right and go test it again, because I want to make sure that there's no way I messed up. And, and, and some do that and some don't. You know, yeah. some, some there's a marketing department and there's no technical department. I, I don't know, but some, sometimes I think some things come out that there's just no technical backing on. Yeah, it, I agree. And um, I, I, for us, um, <clears throat> after testing the product, which we did, we did pay them. Um, they gave us a very generous offer on testing the product and then they shipped it out here. So, you know, we did the honest to goodness, uh, Hand, man, man to blast media challenge. Um, and, uh, you know, I also got some feedback from my friends on Oahu and stuff like that. We were, we were mentioned in the, I think Jake did see me in the, in his webinar. So he did make sure to bring me up, I guess, um, you know, not name by name, but that, you know, we were facing some other challenges here locally. Um, namely it's, um, shipping, um, is always, always a challenge. Um, and that, that by the time that we calculated what a container of this product would be, and then, and, and we know this because we've, uh, done our own research, just trying to get media here ourselves and stuff is, um, yeah is the shipping is an issue, but then you add this pricing in there as well for this, you know, new named product, uh, fancy fancy product, which really isn't all that fancy fancy. It's just kind of something else um, that some other company doesn't need anymore. Um, and then you add this super expensive pricing. It just doesn't calculate. Uh, it's not in the mind. Right. And logistic, logistics will get you everywhere. I mean, and it's not just even if it's, I mean, that, that one's got a double negative because you, you, you're using more product and it's more expensive. I mean, this is where we, we run into things every day. I, I run into, I'll run up against, let's say a particular slag and I'll say, I'll say, well, you're going to use half as much garnet if you semi listen to me a third of as much if you do listen to me and you get a dryer and you dial it in and you do right. it right and they look at me and they say well that's great but i mean their stuff's half the cost 
And I'm like, okay, it's half the cost, but I just told you you could use maybe a third. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the accountant, but I could probably figure that out. And, and logistics kills people everywhere. I mean, even in the, in the U S just going across, you know, from Dallas to Houston, the logistics can rack up, but going to islands. Cause I sell to Hawaii. I sell to Trinidad. I sell down to Brazil. I mean, the freight and, and a lot of the, or even offshore, we're very, very big in the offshore business and offshore guys specific. They'll, they'll spec products like ours mainly because it's the volume that you use. The consumption is so low because you think about what your freight is, take your freight from the U S to your Island, make it times two. And that's what it costs for them to take it out to an offshore rig. But then when they're done with it, they have to send it back. Right. So, so if you can, if you can cut freight down by a half or a third and you got six trips, I mean, logistics kills everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. And now nowadays we're all getting hit even more because I mean trucking's gone through the rough too. So right. It has. And hey guys, you know we never thought the outer coder podcast would take off as well as it has. The level of engagement and bring custom coders together has been wonderful and worth every late night edit and weekend recording. Whether it's product features, smart business strategies, or custom coder interviews, we are encouraged to continue to bring great content. That's why we're going to show you how you can help us just a little bit more by sponsoring the show for as little as a dollar, five, or ten dollars per month. Just go to Roscoe.com page and look for the Become a Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner of the page. Once you're there, you can scroll to learn more about our goals and mission, grow our community by bringing you new episodes and news each week. With every sponsor level, you get something for yourself too, to guarantee your success as a powder coat. We are so thankful for you and enjoying the content we bring you each week and hope you show your support by becoming a sponsor. And level up your powder coder game. I, you know, I, um, I think that that's where, like, in my mind, the marketing side of it is just taking something that's a leftover and then, you know, renaming it, making it calling it fancy, and then charging more than what the garnet is and then saying oh well you just have to change your you know the way you do it it, it just um it, it just didn't equate for us personally i i would i have asked um you know jake and i were going to do a podcast and just putting it out there jake you're welcome to come on the podcast and we can we can go through i'm giving everybody equal opportunity um, these are just, uh, the assumptions that we've made, um, personally. And then in, you know, this isn't some kind of hard sell on Garnet by any means, but I do know that you have a stake in the industry. You, you didn't just come on the scene. You've been in it for a while and I respect your opinion. I also respect a lot of your writings, uh, Pete. Um, so, you know, the takeaway from, from this product is what? What's your takeaway? And what 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 more do you want to add before we get on to you know maybe more garnet stuff? 
take away from what from my product? Yeah, from- I mean, just take away from your assessment of 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 the product, um, 10x, and then why is I yeah I I, I all I all I can truly say is do a test like you did. Because, yeah. because I mean, I, I, I do training classes all the time and I, and I'll stand in front of somebody and I'll talk for an hour and teach people about abrasives and tell them what my products are going to do. Then I walk them out into the shop and I spend 45 minutes to an hour blasting and I put them under the hood and I time it and I have a scale under the pot and I do real world. And I've got some of every every abrasive on the market almost in my shop. I've got a whole, I've got the whole end of our warehouse that I've got samples because I want to know truly what other products I need. I need to know where we stand to know how to sell. So I'll do that. And then I'll walk them back into the office and sit them down after I'm done and said, raise your hand. How many of y'all thought I was just completely full of it? And they all look at me and smile and say, yeah. So how many did did we prove it? So all I'm saying from that is, is don't listen to the hype. I mean, and even from my height, you know, I'd be more than happy to talk somebody through, look, here's how you dial it in. Let me tell you the best way, but go see for yourself. Do a side by side like y'all did. Don't, don't, don't let someone tell you, oh, you know, you're just never going to get there because you don't have this or you don't have that. You can dial any of their, I dialed their product in on my pot. I have a big compressor. I can get, I could get it at 100 to 110 PSI at the nozzle. I could get it at 130 if I needed but it didn't do any good. Actually, the performance started going down, but I dialed it into the sweet spot. I found their sweet spot and, and used it and did a true comparison on it and found where it ranked. And I know exactly where it ranks. And so, and I usually don't tell people that until I let them go do their own. And I ask how they've dialed them in. Very few have come back and said they found something completely different. Most of them come back and say, oh, wow, that's the same thing I found. So all I can right. say really is go do it for yourself because uh, the proof's in the pudding. Right? Yeah, I, I, I think that's good advice. Um, it's pretty much the process that we went through. Um, we, we were grateful that they were willing to give us the product and try it out. Um, we, Ross, did experience some... Um, coughing and um some chills after we were done blasting and one of the things he brought where we were doing a side-by-side test was we had some um, this was a client that does car restoration classic cars and he brought in um, some side panels and doors and it was just ironic because all this blasting we had a bunch of projects in the blast room and it was kind of getting to the point where it's like Ross was like getting into panic mode about it, you know, just trying to keep up uh, as we were getting busy and stuff. And he, you know, in what he told me was he started with your product first because it was already in the blast pot. But then at the same time, we had just gotten the delivery and he's like, okay, now I'm ready to kind of, this is a good comparison here. Um, I've got these side panels and side doors to this El Camino and I'll start, finish the pot with, uh, you know, garnet and I'll get it through. And then he of course ran out and he's like, okay, now I'm going to switch over to, uh, this new product 10 X. And, um, he, it basically, he realized because of the fickleness and then also the, 
it took him longer actually to do it. Maybe he didn't have it quite set up right. I don't know. We did talk to Jake that day uh, while we were doing that blasting, but he just noticed that in terms of ease and simplicity, um, the performance just was, he spent more time on the 10X than he did on the using the garnet. Like he got more surface done uh, and spent less time in the blast. So again, like what you said, test it yourself um, and come do that comparison, that true comparison. Um, uh, many of you, you are already using Colslag, maybe switch over to Garnet, do that test first and then try the 10X and see. But I think that just some of the uh, exposure things he just noticed immediately just because he's got that experience. Um, we used to blast with Colslag. We have blasted several different items over the years and he has noticed when the, those are elevated. And if that's the one takeaway you get from this podcast is to be aware of your health. Um, that's really the main thing is uh, always, always be aware of um, your day-to-day -day exposure to anything and what you're blasting and how you're feeling after. Cause that's the number, you're the, you're the canary in the coal mine. I hate to say it, but you know, you could be that canary, right? Right. So right, and any anybody that anybody that I mean, you're talking about the ones that are wanting to test it and stuff like that. I mean, anybody that you've got out there, um, I, I I agree. Try it out, but but also pick up the phone and call. I mean, I'll be honest. I'll talk to anybody anytime. Just ask my guys. They're like they can't get Pete off the phone. But but double check and see what your setup is. I, I don't even I don't sell equipment. Right. But but it, it's a waste of time to go do a test on something. If there's something simple that could be either fixed or adjusted or changed or something a little. I mean, I carry extra valves and things like that with me anytime I go to a demo just in case. But but I, I'd be more than happy to if somebody wanted to bounce something off of us or Jim, I mean, Jeff. And Jeff helps out a lot of stuff like that, but we can, I mean, this is what we do every day. The first thing I ask people is what are you using? How are you using it? What are you getting? And we, we just double check the parameters because if we can fix one or two things and give you the performance instead of increasing by 20%, I mean, you know, I see people all the time. We increase, I, I powder coat her up by my house in Fort Worth. I went up to last month and poor guy, he was blasting those ranch hand bumpers. And it was taking him anywhere from a half a day to a day to get a bumper. And he was going through a full pallet of, uh, I mean, he was using nickel slag and it was taking him a whole pallet to get the bumper clean. And uh, we threw a bag, we threw a 55 pound bag in there and I did the front half of it in about 12 minutes and didn't have it dialed in right. And then we dialed it in a little bit better and I did the back half of it in nine minutes. Wow. You know, and so and 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 he was shocked. And I said, and I said, look, part of it's the fact that you didn't I mean, you didn't even have the other one dialed in, but we tried to dial that one in best. And it still was at least three times the time. Mm -hmm. But once we got him dialed in and saw it and I still had material left in the pot, I only put it. I only put a bag and a half in the pot and we did the whole bumper. He was using a three thousand pound bag. And so, you know, we were using a fifty five pound bag. And so just little things like that. I mean, if we can help anybody or to Jeff or anybody can do that work. I mean, this, it's not like we sell this service. This is a freebie. Let us try to help you out. 
Yeah, and I mean, for powder coating, you know, versus some of the other industries that need um, bracing ablastive, uh, abrasive blasting media, I mean, it just seems like this, this product for us is just the perfect product for getting our needs satisfied. I'm not speaking right. for the entire powder coating industry. I'm just speaking for, for Ross Coat and what we're doing here. And that's what we've found um, and stuff like that. And I, I, I do want to keep an open flat platform here because we are talking, um, you know, and talking on the subject of that includes everything from the glass uh, um, and uh, uh, aluminum oxide, garnet, and 10x. So, you know, everybody, and in that green stuff, whatever the green stuff is, I know everybody loves the green stuff, but it is- Nickel, that's nickel flag, yeah. Is it, is that what it is? Powder, powder, coater, powder coaters tend to, you, you create very smooth surfaces. You don't do some of the thicker coatings that a lot of the regular coaters do. And so a lot of guys can get away with using some of those more coarse, either the slags or the more angular materials. The problem is those embed in the surface. And if you throw a light coating, like what you're talking about on there, it looks like you painted a porcupine. Right, yeah. And, and so that's one of the reasons that we're so popular in, with the powder coaters, especially one, it's quick, it's fast, you use low amount of material, but because it's so heavy and hard, you're actually able to use much, much smaller crystals to get the same job done, which leaves you a decent profile, but there's no embedment. And that way, when you hit it, it looks like glass after you paint it. That, that's one of the biggest complaints we, you know, used to hear powder coaters. Why, why don't you blast? Oh, I don't want to see all those bumps. We wipe everything down with chemicals. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and I, all my equipment that we, we make hoppers and things like that to sell to go with the garnet. I wouldn't let any of the, I went to three different powder coat shops. I wouldn't let anybody wipe mine and put a coating on it because within a month, all the edges were peeling. I made them sandblast every one of them and I gave them the garnet to do it and showed them how to do it. And then my powder coating doesn't come off. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that is the key to longevity and durability in the, in the, in the coatings right. as it is, you know? Um, well, this has been eye-opening. I hope we've, you know, uh, opened some eyes up today with this podcast. Um, and um, I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Pete? No, we jumped all over the place. We, we did. Hit, we, we hit all different. And, and if you ever want to, I mean, anything else you want to talk about again, I'm, I'm always available. Yeah, I, I think that what I want to do is definitely put some links in there on the webinars that you just had. I know you've got some more webinars. Why don't, why don't you talk about some of the other webinars you've got coming up? We're doing, we're doing a we're doing a three part series, and uh, the first the first one was the general. It was abrasives. It was kind of an abrasives one hundred and one, and talking about garnet. I was going through the properties, hardness, all that. If anybody, if any of the ones out there listening to this haven't seen it, you know, go to our website or or look it up and watch it. I think I think it went pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, second one it is going to dive more into the environmental. I'm going to go through this. Uh, uh, beryllium and silica ruling. I'm going to talk a little bit about the varying levels and, and I have a third party 
um, hygienist. He's an EHS guy that does a lot of work in Houston for the big petrochemical companies. I hired him to come in and work with me on this and he did a risk assessment. And so we're gonna review that and go through. And the risk assessment included doing the dust testing for the toxic, for the heavy metals in an enclosed room, doing it in an outdoor blast, and also my just standard metals testing out of the bag. And then he put it together into the same type of a risk assessment that he would have done for, you know, one of the big name Petro guys and handed it back to me. And it, it was interesting to read and his question and his reasons why, but he's going to be on that. Uh, he'll be on the podcast for the second half with me to discuss his, what he found. Right. Uh, after he read some of the readings on, on the filters, he made the, a, he made a comment to me on some of the abrasives. And he said, if I didn't known that I wouldn't have even stayed in the room. Wow. And so, and then the third one is just going to be, it's going to be more of a general training the blaster and optimizing your blast and really helping these guys with their rooms and stuff like that. A lot of like what Jeff does and we, we work hand in hand, you know, with those guys all the time doing that. So that, that's what the third one is. But the next one is, I believe July, it's the end of July, I believe July 28th, something like that. Well, send me that link and then I'll make sure to put it in the description. So anybody, you okay. know, it's convenient for them to sign up and then anything else. We'll, we're just going to load up the description with a bunch of links for everyone to click on to um, right. YouTube and um, in the podcast website as well. And I think that I'm attending all of them. I'm attending all the 10x ones. I want to know. I want to keep on this because. It's, you know, I think just in terms of just uncovering knowledge and, and finding out what's best for your company, right? And monitoring yourself for your own health. I mean, that's, what are we in this for? If you're just going to end up getting sick in the end, that's not good for your family. That's not good for your uh, posterity, <laughs> you know? And when, when you're listening, when you're listening to this and everybody else, when you're listening to these things listen okay and i and i mean open your ears because some of these things you'll go through and and under and and if there's something that you don't understand stop back up and look it up i stopped in the middle of one of those other podcast or one of those others where someone was talking about their material being safe and safe for workers and then they referenced that they tested it for an epa test method well the epa is for the environment Right. And, and it should have been per an OSHA test method. OSHA, right. And, and, I, and I had to stop and back it up. But that's where I was listening along and was kind of halfway listening. And I had to go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And I back. So listen and write things down. I, I take notes through every one of those now. And I've learned to I don't try to do three things and listen to it in the background. I take notes and go back and listen to it again. And then I go Google it and try to see if I can. You know, what did what did that mean if I didn't understand it? So, yeah. I, I think that just don't get all like if something's not adding up when you're listening to something, even this podcast, you know, if something's right. not adding up, then email me, email Pete, um, or just think about it and then research it on your own because that's where you let the words and marketing and, um, you know, uh, where you know, you're letting someone take you where they want to take you rather than you right. allowing and there's so much of that today in this industry um it's amazing if you need entertainment me. watch tv right we're, we're <laughs> the educational side 
So right, exactly. And and so you know, we're talking about your health here. We're talking about the uh, viability of your company, your capabilities as a business owner, um, and for your clients, and as well as your own survival. And so, you know, just because someone's you know coming up with crazy spinning stuff or whatever, just know exactly what it is, you know, find out till you know, if it doesn't add up, just investigate like what he's saying, you know, ask why. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, it was funny because when I first got introduced to Garnet, I was like, well, what is Garnet? He's like, it's the stuff, you know, the jewelry stuff, you know, and, oh, well, okay. You know, cause I, I didn't realize it was actually that, you know, I thought Gemstone, it was just a name yeah. for that, you know? And we talked about the different names and everything like that and changing, you know, but yeah, I, to me, you know, if something coming out of the, out of the ground versus a byproduct of another comp, you know, another uh, type of product, it just seems to make more sense to me personally. Um, but, you know, anyways, I'm happy to have you on the podcast anytime, next time, all the time. Sure. You're awesome. You're so informative and you're such an advocate for just the industry in general. Um, uh, and it's nice to know that, you know, yeah, sometimes we're doing some dangerous stuff, but you're, we're there to, uh, you're there to help them with everything, um, and stuff. Cause there, there's a lot of learning curve to owning a powder coating business. Um, and it's nice to know that you're there, uh, not just to monitor or point the finger at other people in the industry, but to know your competition and also to help uh, people that are in that need something blasted to make sure that they're getting it right. Because it, it's a simple thing, but it's not so simple when you get dive down into the details. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, have a great day and um, hope you learned something today and we'll see you on the next time. Aloha. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Mm-hmm.